بسم الله الرحمن الرحیم یا من تحل به یقد المکاره و یا من یفتو به حد الشدائه و یا من یلتمس منه المخرج الى روح الفره بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وآله الطاهرين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله and welcome to this podcast series of a commentary on صحيفة سجادية by Mizan Institute الذي قصرت عن رؤيته أبصار الناظرين وعجزت عن نعته أوهام الواصفين In this part of the dua the imam shifts over to the essence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and how much of that essence is graspable for us. In other words, how much can we actually comprehend Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And so when it comes to our comprehension of something, we can either use our senses or we can use our minds and intellects to figure things out about that thing that we want to gain knowledge and cognition of. And so he begins by saying, The one whom cannot be seen with the eyes of the beholders, the ones who are looking on. The eyes of the people, if they were to try to see him, they would fall short of such. And the reason for this is obvious. Because if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was to be seen by the material eyes that we have, that means that he has to also be of a material origin. He has to have uh, a materialistic existence. But that's not the case. As a matter of fact, it's not possible for Allah to be of such origins and existence because it goes against Him being God. If something is going to be God, it cannot be in any way, shape, or form a materialistic being. And so this verb here, qasurat an ru'yatihi, qasurat meaning falling short, kind of, I would say, implies that this inca- incapableness and inca- incapability of the eyes. Not that Allah has a problem. Not that Allah is too far away for us to see or too great to see and all of that. The problem is not there. The problem is with us. The eyes fall short. The eyes have a deficiency. We don't have the right eyes, so to speak, to be able to see Him because the only eyes that we have are the eyes on the head. Yeah, of course, in that famous saying by Imam Ali السلام, that he sees Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with the eyes of the heart, those are the right eyes to see him with. But there, seeing is going to be a metaphorical sight. It's not going to be the seeing that we use, the verb that we use to see in you know this in our daily lives. That seeing that we're accustomed to doesn't apply here. You cannot see him like that. So if Imam Ali says, I see him with the heart, it has another meaning to it. But if we're going to go by the conventional definition of seeing and sight, it's not possible to see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with the eyes. And it's not because of a fault or deficiency on His part, but rather we are not capable. The eyes fall short of seeing Him. Now just to open up a parenthesis here, it says the eyes of the beholders. As you all know, we have other senses too. We have five senses, they say. One of those senses is sight. So why is it that only this one has been singled out here? The Imam doesn't say he, he can't be smelled, he can't be heard, he can't be felt like with the uh, with the touch and so on. And why does it point to uh, the sight only? 
my my guess is that because seeing and sight is the most important uh, sense that we have. Uh, in other words, if you were to ask people which of the five senses, if they were to not have any of the senses except for one, if they were to give up four out of five of their senses, which one would they keep? Usually, in my opinion at least, people would keep their eyesight. You know, I'd rather be able to see than to only be able to hear or to only be able to smell or to touch. So I think that because it's the most important, the most apparent uh, sense of the five senses that we have, the imam points that one out. And you can conclude from that, okay, so if he can't be seen, then of course he can't be felt with the touch, he can't be sensed with the smell, with smell, he can't be heard, etc. In other words, this sense is actually representing all of our senses, all of our physical senses. Alright, so there's one way we could have gotten to know God, and that was through our senses. But the Imam negates that, he puts it aside, totally dismisses it. And he says that, they, that our senses fall short of sensing Him, of seeing Him. And that is because of a deficiency within our senses, not because of Him being deficient. But that's not the only way you can gain knowledge of things. For example, right now in all of the different sciences that we have that use empirical data, let's just say like for example medicine, if, if they are running experiments on how to fight cancer and how to treat cancer, if they do, if they go do one case, two cases, ten cases, a hundred cases, a thousand cases, there's a minimum number of cases that they will try and experiment with. And if they're getting the same result every time, it's not like they are going to go through every single case of cancer out there before they come to a conclusion that, I don't know, such and such medicine is a cure for cancer. If out of 50,000 cases, 48,000 of them, let's say, turn out to be good ones when it comes to using a special medicine for treating that cancer, usually they will come to the conclusion that this is good for treating cancer. The question is, how can we jump from the empirical data, the number of cases that we've seen, to a general understanding, a general conclusion and law or rule that will apply to even cases that we've never dealt with but are similar to the cases that we did experiment with. So for example, they'll say, hey, this medic medicine cures cancer, period. Excuse me? Have you tried every single and experimented every single case of cancer out there to come to such a conclusion? They'll say no. But when you... When you look at all of the cases that we have run experiments on and they've all had the same outcome and results, the probability of this medicine working goes keeps going up higher and higher and higher. Every case that comes out successful is going to add to that probability to the point that we're convinced that all cases are going to be like the ones that we've, we've tested. Now, this won't be a 100% type of conclusion that one can come to, 100% certainty that it's going to work, but it's a very, very, very high likeliness and probability that it will work. And just that's just how things function. Anyway, the question is this, how did we jump from all these cases that we have tested, how do we jump from that to the general rule of this medicine is going to work for all the cases that are out there, even the ones that we haven't tested but are, are similar and identical to these cases. That is the job of the mind, brothers and sisters. The mind jumps to that conclusion 
And it's a reasonable jump. And I'm not trying to sound like it's um, an unreasonable one. No, it's a reasonable jump up to the conclusion that this is a general rule that I can extrapolate. Okay, so sometimes you gain knowledge through your senses. Sometimes you gain knowledge, you come to conclusions, you derive rules and laws based on an intellectual process. Based on what your senses have given you of data. Right? So I'll give another example. You will see one elephant, it has a trunk. You'll see another elephant has a trunk. Third elephant, fourth elephant, after hundreds of elephants that you've seen, they all have trunks, you come to the conclusion that elephants have trunks. And so if someone tells you of an elephant that's walking around in some far off land that you've never been to, never seen, you can conclude, although you haven't seen it, conclude that that, okay, if it's an elephant, it's going to have a trunk. This is the job of the intellect, brothers and sisters. So sometimes we gain knowledge, not through the senses, but the data that's given to us through the senses, the mind derives a law from it. Now here it says, Those ones who are going to be describing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yes, their minds ajazat, are incapable of describing Him. So it's not just that the senses can't sense Him. You can't even come to conclusions regarding God when it comes to tr trying to understand Him completely. They fall short again. Ajazat, ajiz, means someone who's incapable. A person who's grown very old and feeble and can't really do anything anymore is referred to as ajiz or ajuz. An ajuz, woman, man or woman, is one who has reached that, that age where others have to take care of them. So not only are our limited senses not able to get a grasp of God, even if we were to go beyond our senses and use that which is greater than the senses that can gain knowledge and come to conclusions regarding things that it hasn't even seen based on that intellectual endeavor that I talked about, even the minds and the intellects won't be able to describe him properly the way he deserves to be described. They would fall short. They're not capable of. So all in all, brothers and sisters, when it comes to the essence of God, we might have an idea of what God is all about. We'll say He's all-hearing, all-knowing, all-powerful, all this, all that. right? So we're not totally ignorant towards Him, but at the same time, we're falling short of completely grasping and understanding Him as well. So as I said, that's regarding the essence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then the Imam continues, he says, that Allah originated the creatures through His power within origination. So what, first things first here, I want to point out that uh, in the Arabic language, when you want to emphasize something, you will repeat the verb, but not the verb itself, but rather it's infinitive. So for example, if you want to say that you really hurt somebody, you say, I slapped him, what a slapping. Or I slapped him, a, a slapping. This shows that, okay, this wasn't your normal slapping. It must have been like a hard slap, you know? When you want to emphasize something, you'll repeat it, but in its infinitive. So, I slapped is a, a past tense verb. Then when you repeat it, you say a slapping. Slapping is an infinitive. Here, it says, ibtada'a, which is a verb. And then, ibtida'a is the infinitive of it, which means to create. But there's a difference between khalq and ibtida'a. Here, the Imam uses the verb ibtada'a, and ibtada'a comes from the same root 
as the word badia comes from. And so what is what is meant here by this particular root um, and this particular verb? It's when you create something, but not with any blueprints. What you've created is unprecedented. You create something, but not based off of a previous model. You come up with it yourself. You create it from scratch. To create something from scratch says a lot about you as a creator, right? Sometimes you are going to make like a piece of art and you're going to base it off of a diagram, okay? Or, or a blueprint that you have. You're an architect. You're going to build a home. You, you do the drawings, but you do the drawings based on a previous model or the blueprints. You have some blueprints. Sometimes you, off the top of your head and from scratch, you are going to draw something. You're going to make something. You're going to create something. Well, of course, this is much greater than a person who's going to base what they're doing off of someone else's work or something that they've done previously. So here when the imam, he says, ibtada'a biqudrati al-khalq, ibtada'a means to create but to create from nothing, from scratch, not using something that you uh, have might have used before or done before to help you. And when the Quran says, Badi'us samawati wal Allah is the Badi' of the heavens and the earth, it means He's the creator of the heavens and the earth, but not based on a blueprint or a previous model. Okay, so creation requires power and might, especially if it's the creation of the universe. And so here it says, That Allah created with His power and might. Creation, brothers and sisters, signifies the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The fact that He created from nothing and from scratch adds to the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alright, so this is uh, one of those one of those. Uh, Attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that have to do not with his essence, not but with his fi'l, with his action. One of those things that shows through his action how great he is. So this creation of Allah signifies the power of Allah. Not only did he give existence to things, but here some of these scholars have explained it like this, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also, when he created and gave existence to things, he also gave them form and appearance based on his mashi'ah, based on his will and irada, which is based on his knowledge. In other words, he didn't just create random things that have nothing to do with yielding any results and that there is no purpose in creation, everything's in vain, there's no design, there's no ultimate goal that will be accomplished or, or achieved through a creation of things. No, things are fine-tuned and are created in a way to yield certain results. So for example, a plant grows to become an adult plant and maybe be edible. A tree, when it's a seed, is just a seed, but it grows into a tree and yields fruit that is going to be used by people. Now, I don't want to make everything about people here, but like, let's just say an elephant, a baby elephant is born and eventually matures into an adult elephant and so on and so forth. So there are things that God have created, that the things that God has created, they're not just, oh, something random that Allah gave existence to. No, they are also fine-tuned 
The translation here says, He devised them in accordance with His will, with a devising. Once again, it's emphasizing that He devised. He came up with something. He came up with a model now. He came up with a, an appearance and form for everything. Allah says in the Quran, He's the one who gave you form and was really good about it. About it. He did a good job and gave you good form. What constitutes good form? It is being fine-tuned. It is having design to the extent that it's in line with your wisdom. You're after something here. You are achieving something here. You are designing things in a way that they yield certain results. What are those results? Well, with all of creation, we have one thing. But then when it comes to mankind, in addition to that one thing, there's something extra as well. So two things are going to be yielded. The first of these two is mentioned here. Once he gave existence to things, and once he gave them the form that he wanted to, based on his knowledge and wisdom and his will, he put them on the path of his will now, what he wants. So it's as if every creature of God is put on a, on. on a set of tracks that are leading to a certain destination. As I said, baby elephant grows to become a, an adult elephant. It doesn't become a giraffe. A, a, a giraffe, same thing. Baby giraffe grows up to be an adult giraffe. A seed grows to be a tree. And so on and so forth. A baby grows up to be a mature adult human being. Everything, whether they like it or not, they are going to be growing in accordance with the Takwini will of God. Takwini here meaning it has to do with creation. And they are fine-tuned for that. Unless something gets in the way of that baby elephant growing into an adult elephant, it will grow into an adult elephant. The seed that's planted, if the water, the sun, the sunlight, all of that is taken care of, it will grow into what it's supposed to grow. Whether it likes it or not. Me and you, whether we like it or not, if we eat food, we will grow. The only time we can stop ourselves from growing is if we stop eating. Yes, so we are all on these tracks that Allah has set for us, embedded within us, and we will move towards a certain destination that is in accordance with His taqwini will, whether we like it or not. That is for all of creation and all of God's creatures. But in addition to that, there are some creatures of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He has blessed and endowed with something extra than other creatures. And that is willpower. That is ikhtiyar, free will that will also allow them to have another potential in addition to the taqwini potential they have of growing into a mature version of themselves. What is that? That is the ultimate felicity that is possible for them to achieve in this life for the hereafter. This is not for all of creatures. This is only for a select number of creatures out there that have a certain potential in addition to the general potential that all creatures have that all creation has, and that has to do with the human being, that has to do with the jinn, and that is the potential of spiritual development, not just material taqwini development, but one that is a tashri'i, they say, development. It is a spiritual ma'nawi, they say, development as well, that's possible for them, as a result of the extra that Allah has given them. And so the imam goes on, he says, وَبَعَثَهُمْ he put them on another track as well, 
Not all of them now, the ones who can be on this track. He put them on the path and track of his love. The details of which, inshallah, we will get to in our next session. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.